If you haven't already, open your Bibles with me to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, a short psalm. It's a wisdom song, a collection of wisdom, and uh, we'll read that together in a moment as we talk about this idea, continuing our series of life together. I love the idea, and I love the feeling of when you belong to someone and they belong to you. You know that person when you need to talk about something, and they put everything else away, and they're with you as long as you need them. You know that person when you need a hug, and you go in for the hug, and they don't think it's awkward, and as long as you hold on, they keep holding on. That when you need to pray together, you tell them what's on your heart, and they pray with you as long as you need it. Maybe even that person when you need someone to snuggle up close to beside them, and they snuggle in too. And possibly that person, when you feel like tickling somebody, they tickle you back, right? (laughs) Belonging. God made us belong. He made us to belong to Him. He made us to belong to one another. It's our nature, and it's because He created us in His image, and He belongs to Himself with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we think about this idea of life together, it started with our life together with God, that we're in relationship with God because He's called us unto Himself and He's made a way to conquer our sin and death through His Son, Jesus. And this is discipleship. This is following Christ. But this life together includes one another as well. And we talked about that last week when we looked at just the one another's from Romans as well. But we're called into the family of God. We're His children. We're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. And we belong to one another. And we are His building. We are His household. We are His people. We are a family. All these analogies of the body of Christ in a church that the uh, Bible uses. You already heard from Pastor David about after church coming up in a few weeks to train us really on how to be in relationship with one another because frankly, we could use a little insight on how to do that better. You got your life together bulletin board out there in the narthex and Miss Emily will be out there again with a, a Polaroid camera to take your picture so you could put your smiling face up there and a note about the things you like to do and you'd be willing to do it with someone else to get to know them because we love one another. We honor one another. We care for one another. The best things we do as a church, as believers in Jesus, are together. When I think about the things I love about our church, I love how, as we're able, we come together for this day of resurrection and everybody has a part. And even folks we don't know come in and join with us. And we welcome people with us, but we do it together. I think about Vacation Bible School, where most everybody has a part. And boys and girls from our church and all over our community come. Think about things like Fall Festival or Trunk or Treat. We couldn't do this year because of COVID and such. But when everybody has a part. And I think about when we come together here to worship. And it's always better when we sing together. It's always better when we pray together. When we're in Sunday school, when we're in home groups, and when we're together, and God is present with us together. So our psalm today, Psalm 127, is one that one commentator teased and said is preached with every building campaign ever. This isn't really about a building campaign and raising money today. At the conclusion of my sermon today, we're going to introduce you to our sanctuary remodel plans, which is pretty exciting. But this is about more than that. 
because this building represents God's presence among us. It's just a building. But it represents how we seek to worship and give glory to God. And it's about what God is building in the body of believers that we call Southview. And that's why today we read this passage of Scripture together. And so I'm going to read it from mine, which may be a little bit different than it's on the screen, but Psalm 127, if you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word, would you do so? Just five verses. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for He grants sleep to those He loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, we always pray that you open our minds and our hearts to understanding and obedience, that we would be willing to learn from you today from your word and by your Holy Spirit, and that we would be encouraged and inspired as you'd have us to be, to be obedient as you call us to be. So God, we thank you for your presence among us, that you've drawn us together as a family of faith called Southview. And that you have plans for us in this life together. And we look forward to seeing all that you will do now, in the weeks, months, years, and decades ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Thank you. You could be seated. Your scripture passage there is, in some ways, disparate. You've got the first part about, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches over it. And it's the primacy of God in all that we do in verse 1. We'll talk about that more in a few moments. You got the second part there, which is actually about how things are vain without God. And then there's this shift in verses 3, 4, and 5. Sons are a heritage, children are a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, a full quiver, that sort of thing. Children are a heritage. But when you think about it, these things are related. The first half of this psalm and the second half of this psalm. It's about God's provision. It's about God's building. It's a relationship that God puts us together with. And that's the common theme. And that's where we go. The first point on your outline today is that we build lives, families, churches, buildings, organizations, whatever we build, we do it for others. We do it for others. That everything we do as followers of Jesus is not for ourselves, it's for others. For the Lordship of Jesus informs everything we do. He is first in our lives and we serve on His behalf. We are followers of Jesus. We don't do anything without His assurance. We don't do anything without His provision. We don't do anything without His protection. We don't do anything without His provision. We don't do anything without His leadership. We don't do anything without His blessing. It's all about Jesus. And everything we build, whether it's our individual life, whether it's our family, whether it's a church family, whether it's an organization, whether it's a physical building or house or anything like that, is all for His glory, which begs the question, who do I labor for? When you consider your life right now and you consider 
Who are you living for? Who are you working for? And the way you live your life, are you laboring for yourself and your glory? Are you laboring for your family and their provision? Are you laboring for your organization, your company? Because, oh, well, you've got to have a job. Yeah, but is that your focus, your heart, your passion? Are you laboring in everything for God? The Bible says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as one working for the Lord, not for men, because it's the Lord Christ you're pleasing. That we do everything we do, everything we build, everything we work for, everything we labor for, to bring glory to God. Verses 1 and 2 show us that there's vanity in life. But it also, on the flip side, encourages us to trust God in everything. Let's focus in on verse 1 with your second point there. Verse 1 tells us that unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, builds anything, a house can be symbolic, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord, it's vanity. Your second point on your outline says, we cannot build without God. Whatever it is you're seeking to do, because it's God's work. It's God's house. Whatever it is you're seeking to build, your life, your family, your organization, a real actual building, anything, it's not nothing. Ooh, not nothing. That was bad, wasn't it? It's not anything without God's help. Everything we do, anything we do, in order for it to be worthwhile, to be lasting and eternal, must be God's plan, God's wisdom, God's design, God's leadership for us. God's got to be in it. So your question there is, how does God work? What do you know that's not necessarily in this scripture, but from your walk with Jesus as a follower of him, how is it that God works in and through you and through a church body? Think about those principles from your knowledge of the Bible, your personal experience in walking with Jesus, that you know how it is that God works. You see his patterns. You know how to seek him. You know how to come together with others and be in community with them. But it's not just building it. It's that other half of it, which leads to 1B and your next point there, is that we cannot see without God. That's your third major point on your outline. We cannot see without God because it's God's vision. That's what it says there. It says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. So this is talking about a physical city, of course, and that it was a walled city to protect it from enemies. And there are watchmen posted to watch out to see if there are enemies coming to sound the alarm so others would help come defend the city. But it has application to anybody in any organization that unless we seek God, because it's God's vision, we can't know what to do. We can't know what's coming. We can't be prepared for the future. We can't follow Him Unless we know His vision. Because God watches over us. Which leads you to that question. How do I discern God's vision? If He provides the vision and it's ours to seek, how do we discern it? We discern God's vision through the Bible, through prayer, 
Through being aware of your circumstances, don't let them dictate the way you go. Always confirm with other means. And through the church, other believers in Jesus, that's how you discern God's vision. And in your love relationship with the Lord Jesus and God, they guide you to follow Him. And so as we turn today in these closing minutes of my sermon time to talk about our sanctuary, I want to tell you a few things to get you ready for what you're going to see on the screen. It's my firm conviction that what I'm going to show you today is God's vision for our plan, for our church, for the next 30 years. This sanctuary has served us for 30 years, but it's showing its age. Years ago, we did a survey of our congregation about our building, and the number one thing that came back was our sanctuary ceiling and the stains and the lighting, and we'd like to fix that. Well, we had a roofing problem, and frankly, it wasn't just a roofing problem, it was a design of the roof problem. And we got that fixed, and it took a little while, and then we had some more of those big sort of rain events that would cause that leaking and the staining to happen, and we've had that for years enough now that, yeah... It's taken care of. But you also said we wanted to update the bathrooms that were showing their age. If you weren't here a couple years ago, you don't know how bad they were showing their age and the issues we had with the bathrooms, and update the kitchen. So we did Giving to Grow about four years ago, and you guys gave, and it was amazing. And in that project, we proposed sanctuary lighting and ceiling, bathrooms and kitchen. We also upgraded the children's wing, the children's hallway. Uh, with funds that were provided. And so we've done the things you've asked for except for the sanctuary. Then COVID hit and we went time out like everybody else went time out. What's going to happen and what are we going to do and what about the sanctuary? Well, now COVID's still here, but we're moving on, right? And we're meeting together. And then we had to find the right partner to help us to find the right design for our sanctuary to move forward. And so we thought about, we could just fix the ceiling and the lighting, cost us about $170,000, what we asked for in giving to grow. But as we, the church council, said, if we're going to do it, we might as well do it right. And the best way to do the sanctuary ceiling is to put scaffolding in the sanctuary. And that means removing all the pews in the sanctuary. And the pews are showing their age, the carpeting showing their age and all that. So let's ask and find out what it would look like if we did everything. So now we got a picture for you. Here's a picture of what could be if we choose it to be our new sanctuary. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I get pretty excited about that. And it's been a six-month partnership with Clark and Anderson Partners, architects and designing firm here in Lincoln, to get us to this point. And you notice that in this sanctuary that every surface is new. The pews are still in the same places, but every surface is new. New flooring, new pews, new. This is a perforated wood veneer that is in the back middle here and up in the coffers up there. You know, notice, notice new lighting. There are pendant lights hanging down uh, that are dimmable, and uh, they've done all kinds of studies on this to get us to design us to this point. We no longer have the screens that you currently see the images on. The images will be projected on the wing walls that will actually be extended, and there is a luminescent tile at the top and bottom of those. And then you'll also notice this big thing over my head, which we affectionately call the Millennium Falcon. Um... It's actually a choir reflector is removed so that you have that line that goes all the way up and down to the top of the sanctuary down here. You also notice that the choir risers are removed. 
This gives us more flexibility as we move forward. Let's look at that next picture. That next picture shows something that could be. On that perforated wood background, which will help with sound absorption and everything, we can project images. So you got snowflakes up there at Christmas time. You could have a cross up there. The number one thing in our sanctuary design people said they wanted to see was a cross, a centrally located cross. We can put a cross on there, any shape cross, as it's white cross. We can put leaves on there. We can put the Southview logo on there. We could put anything on there because it's a projected image. On there. People said they also wanted to keep the stained glass windows side. No, I got to get my pointer and I'm shaky hand. That's actually a rail that allows the uh, attachment of theatrical lighting, like for this day of resurrection or anything else. This, what we're proposing, doesn't have all that theatrical lighting because it costs a lot, but we're building in the ability or the possibility for that theatrical lighting. Let's move on to that next image. We're moving the sound booth back to the back middle. Back row, girls, I'm sorry. Unless you want to be in the sound booth now, Miss Edith and Miss Tommy and Miss Donnelly, you're going to have to move up a few rows. Why? Because it just fits better there. That'll change up things here, but then you get a closer look at at least the pews that are proposed, and you see what the sanctuary looks like from the back with the lights dim, but those pendant lights hanging down in that view. And then the next part is something that you asked for, and as Silvana did a survey of churches of all denominations around our city, she went to 20 different churches over the past few months. If you haven't seen her here, she has been at church, just other churches. She's been doing some detective work for us, and she found out that 19 of 20 churches around the area had this, a coffee area. We're proposing that the area right behind those walls back there with the Next Steps posters, that wall be removed. And that the current library, you may not have even known we had a library, and the classroom next to it are completely converted. And so we're basically turning the library inside out. You notice it's proposed with the seating area for children over here on the lower left and then the coffee area over on the right, and then you've got a second view of that coffee area as well. And then I need to show you the floor plan for that, because one other thing we had requested, eh, there it is, is a mother's room. So this is the hallway between, uh, that goes the office on your left, and then all this stuff to your right, but the mother's room in the top left there with its own access and then on the far right here, you see a children's check-in area instead of a nice little table out in the middle of hallway, notched in. And that's a proposal of how that might look. Let's move ahead to our final slide there. We don't have Christmas up here because we're planning on having this done by Christmas. It doesn't work that way. From the time we make a commitment and sign a contract with Clark and Anderson Partners, they've got six to nine months to draw the architectural plans uh, get bids from contractors and get all the supplies to do this. And then from that time, it's going to be four to six months before they could build this. They would do the sanctuary at one time and then do the coffee house at the next time. And we'd do whichever comes first based on timing. Because with us, Easter is a big deal and we want to work around having the sanctuary complete for sure at Easter time for Easter pageant, no matter what. And so you're looking at all this and you're going, dude, how do we afford this? Well, what you see, everything I showed you, is estimated to cost an additional half million dollars over what we already have in Giving to Grow. 
in talking to friends in the capital stewardship industry, they assure me that a church our size with giving like we can could raise that amount of money in three years or less if a capital campaign above and beyond our tithes. And so then it's just a matter of when and how we go ahead with the project. And that'll be something we'll discuss in the weeks ahead. Two weeks from today, it'll probably be at 7.30 in the evening. We've got to get that worked out. We'll have an informational meeting with the people from Clark and Anderson Partners to come present this, have a little bit of Q&A, then go in the fellowship hall and have different stations where you'll get to see what the flooring looks like. You'll get to see what the perforated wood veneer looks like. You'll get to see and feel what the tile that'll be on the walls that's luminescent looks like. And you'll get to ask all those questions about how we move ahead. But let me make sure I tell you who got us to this point. I'd like to ask our church council members to stand up first. So our church council members, obviously I'm on the church council, Ryan Cole right here, Miss Sandy right over here, Larry Zimmerman, Larry's, where's Larry? He's here, Larry's right here. And then we have Carl over here, Pamela, is Pamela not here today, but she's not here, and Linda, Linda, she's in the nursery, thank you for serving. But then the other folks that are on our sanctuary planning team, Chris back there, Chris is our uh, tech guy. Ryan um, also doubles the sound. But then Andrew, Andrew, you're over here, right? Andrew and Nora and Myra back over there, all with their respective uh, responsibilities. And Miss Silvana. Silvana, wave at everybody. So those 12 people worked for six months with Clark and Anderson Partners to be able to land on this with survey results from you and guidance from you and lots of prayers and lots of thoughts to get here. Two weeks from today... We'll talk further about how we get here, but I wanted to show it to you today. I am confident that this is the right plan for us, and I'm thankful to share it with you today. A sanctuary for the next 30 years for you, your children, your grandchildren is one more way for us to give glory to God is right here in this place by what we do to steward it through the decades to follow. I've got one more slide for you today and that's our scripture memory verse for the month. And it's a fitting one for us right now. Say it with me. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Let's pray together. God, you know every need we have. And we know that everything in our lives is for your glory. The life we live, the family we have, the organizations we're a part of, even the building that we remodel for our church is all for your glory. And so God, as we have all these ideas in our mind and these pictures of what is shiny and new and exciting, we pray that you continue to guide us step by step, the right step at the right time, together as a church family to bring you glory. And God, we thank you for everybody that's got us this far. 
for all the survey results, for all the partnership, for all the giving to giving to grow already, but so much more than those things for the fact that you've called us together as a church family, that you've given us one another, and as we love one another, we demonstrate our love for you. So God, we ask now that whatever we need to surrender, whatever we need to do, would be yours as we sing this song of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.